The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, a podcast about a life following Watford FC, be it in the league, be it in the cup. Uh, and we're brought to you, of course, by The Athletic. Uh, my name is John uh, and with me at uh, just gone half past five on Saturday after Watford lost 4-1 in the third round of the FA Cup uh, is Colin. Be it in, uh, in the league or in the cup or did you mean in League One? Or, or the FA Cup. <laughs> uh, good afternoon. Bit of a disappointing afternoon, but there's some positives, I thought. Yeah, we'll try and find those, uh, and hopefully Mike can steer us away from them. Uh, Jason is with us. <laughs> good, good evening. And Michael is here as well. What? What do you want? <laughs> Every time we do these, Mike, I know there's an element that you have and lots of fans have of when in the middle of the game, it's, it's, it's like I can't see past the bad that's there. You know, it's it's hard to try and figure out. We, we how many games in a row now is it? We've lost seven, seven, seven games in the trot. And and seeing a game like today was hard to sort of see where we're getting out of it. That's that's the hardest thing I think for fans. But but of course, this isn't the full kit and caboodle Watford. You would say uh, in terms of what was on that pitch. Because let's start with the starting lineup. You know, we were expecting you, you and DCW and Adam talked about it on the, on the week. You all had your different sort of approaches to this game and what you wanted to do. 11 changes, I think, was what DCW wanted. Just throw the kids on there. You were a little bit more future thinking uh, for the, the run in and the, the current games that we've got. And it felt to me, Jason, that the, the lineup was basically about as good as it gets. Who, who else could have been picked in that starting 11 today for, for Watford? I was, I don't know, I think I was pleasantly surprised when I saw the lineup. I was expecting a lot more changes than that. I guess up front, you, obviously Josh King wasn't playing. That's probably the, the, the big one. We had James Morris starting at left back. Who would have played there otherwise? Could we have set up differently to have allowed for, for not having a experienced left back? Maybe we could. Really, yeah, the, the, the midfield, not sure about whether that was light or not because... We've never really had a settled midfield three anyway when we've played. So, so I mean, two fans been bought in before. Obviously, Sissoko was there. I was really surprised to see him playing. I really thought he would be rested today. So, yeah, all in all, a, a, a much stronger lineup than I think anyone really ex- expected to see. Because I wasn't expecting resting. You know, of all the FA Cup games we've had in the last few years, resting is always a thing. We've had so many games not played. Resting and you know, match fitness, let's rest them in terms of not as many minutes running around. We, we don't have that. That wasn't a problem for me, Mike. Do you think, though, as, it, as the game started, how do you feel when you saw that lineup start to put, put boot to turf? Like you say, John, and like, like Jason sort of fleshed out there, I dread, it was probably the strongest team that we could have anticipated. And therefore, when we kicked off, I was actually more excited than I was um, about the game uh, well, in the hours leading up to it, I think we spoke in the in our WhatsApp group, didn't we? How odd it feels to be going into this game as one that really we just want to get out of the way and and come out of unscathed in terms of not getting suspensions, not getting injuries. Obviously, we all wanted to win the game. We're Watford supporters. We're in the business of seeing our team win. That's all we want for them. Um, 
But in the lead up to this, there's no point denying that I just wanted it out the way. But when you saw the team, you thought, right, okay, there's a there's a sprinkling of, of players in there who have got something to prove. There's a chance for James Morris to, to come in and, and, and stake a claim in that left-back position. Cleverly coming back. Tufan, who's had a rough time, he's, he's got an opportunity to do something against uh, a Leicester defence, which was... That really was a uh, a sort of bolted together Leicester defence, wasn't it? Daly Campbell on the on the left, I think, for them looked looked out of sorts, and Vestergaard looked like he was running through treacle every time he tried to track back. So that it was a, it felt like an opportunity up until kickoff, and then it all started. And you know, it's going to sound like a stuck record, and and this is the reason that I wanted us to play a decent side because football is habitual. It's a, it's about confidence. It's about about learning how to do things well and doing it on a regular basis. And the first goal was a penalty, and it was just lazy. Um, Sierra uh, just as soon as the guy started to move, Sierra instead of tracking him, just grabbed him. And yes, OK, ultimately it was probably soft, but it is a foul. He, he grabbed onto him. The ultimate thing, the, the thing that pushed him down to the ground probably wasn't, but he'd, he'd done enough for it to be a, an obstruction, to obstruct the player. And it's just lazy, and it was just sloppy. I have to say as well, sorry, sorry, Mike, to, to, to dive in, but... Um, dive in? Does it sound like one of our bloody centre-backs, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't learn his lesson. The, the, the next corner that they had, Vestergaard had a, got the run on him again. Yeah. Um, and this time he didn't grab hold of him because he got, got clear and had a free header and probably should have done better than sticking it over the bar. And it, it that was really concerning because a few weeks ago, I guess we all fell into the trap of lauding the player that wasn't on the pitch as as the saviour of our defence. Everyone was sort of clamouring for Sierra to get fit, come back in the side. And he's come back in and today, yeah, sort of let us down early doors, isn't he? I always put that down to, you, know, you mentioned, Jason, the, the inconsistency with the midfield. There's still an inconsistency with the back line in, you know, you, you, you know name me the four who have played consistently for Watford in the back line. There isn't one. Um, that's almost what they're screaming out for, to play together. But Colin, you know, let's let's look at the you know the reaction. You know, the penalty, the penalty, and it's a stupid mistake. The second goal felt like me. It was Cathcart. You know, it was a, it was a, a rebound with that through ball, and the ball changed direction, and he stopped and didn't sort of follow Madison through uh, on and you know, follow his run. But generally, the, the Watford first half performance it ended with a sweet little goal from uh, from Jao Pedro uh, to get it, make it two one. What do you think about the, the attacking abilities in that first half? I thought we looked all right up front, but there were, there were issues. Uh, it was interesting. Fletcher played down the right-hand side, and I was expecting him to play through the middle, but that's a Ranieri thing. He puts King out wide because he's the best player to try and get the ball and hold it up, and actually Fletcher did that quite well. And then I think Pedro and Hernandez, they were kind of swapping, but they were definitely a front three, and all three of them were involved in that goal. I think uh, Hernandez had his back to goal, received the ball. He flicked it onto Fletcher, who did pretty well to control it, and then put Pedro through. And Pedro's finish was, you know, sublime. Really, really good, good, good finish. And it came, what, about 90 seconds or something like that, a couple of minutes after... Leicester had got the second goal. That really gave us a boost. You could see the confidence start to run through the team. There was, well, there was some things that I just don't understand, John. I just don't understand. Now, I didn't want us to win this game, uh, unlike what Mike said. I, I thought this was a game we'd be better off having a good run out, giving, the, giving some starters 60 minutes to keep the match sharp, but ultimately don't take it to extra time. And, and if we win, we win. But, you know, if we lose, you know, not, that's not a problem. 
<laughs> let them score. Um, now, in the end, of course, it was much more comprehensive than that. But um, So we did react quite well. We finished the first half looking quite good. But the problem for me, and this drive is starting to drive me mad with Claudio, is we had a back four, which is fine. That's our back four. And then in front of the back four... And God knows, I know this is a bit of a hobby horse of mine, and everyone who listens to this uh, podcast will go, here he goes again, here he goes. But we set up without a number six. There's no one to protect the back four. We played with Cleverly and Sissoko in front of the back four. Cleverly really is an eight slash ten, and Sissoko's definitely an eight. They look to get forward. They want to play in the middle of the park. They don't want to protect the back four. That's not their jobs. That's not how they played throughout their careers. They've never played in that position. Neither of them were given the job of doing it, and neither of them knew which one should be doing it, so neither of them did it. And as a result, every time Leicester got on the ball, one pass, and they're on a back four. Now, any back four that isn't protected by a midfielder... Or by two midfielders is going to struggle against the team that swarms forward. The other problem, and this is a major problem going forward, I think, is that Fletcher and Pedro, if we take those two as the wide players up front, were clearly told not to track back and defend. They did what well, if they weren't told, they just didn't. And so every time Leicester got the ball, Morris had to deal with Lookman, which he did quite well, and we'll come on to Morris later, I'm sure. But what it meant was Albrighton, their right back, could just get forward at will because no one was tracking him. And that meant Sissoko had to come over, which left a massive hole in midfield again for them to run into, for their central midfielders to run into. Morris gets overwhelmed by Albrighton and Lookman, and we just look constantly under threat. Every time they got forward, they looked like they were going to score. That isn't the player's fault. I'm not going to dig out players for playing a system where they haven't got players in the correct place. We had... Uh, Conta on the um, on the bench who is a defensive midfielder why not play him play a number six give those poor centre-backs a bit of protection allow Sissoko and Cleverly to go wide if they need to because they know they've got a central midfielder there who's going to drop deep and protect and we didn't have that and as a result we were wide open and the other player who I think was had a terrible terrible performance and probably his last in a Watford shirt was Ozan Tufan who does absolutely nothing zero he doesn't defend he doesn't track back he doesn't really create I don't know what he's doing on the pitch I don't think he knows what he's doing on the pitch he's too slow he doesn't react to danger he doesn't sniff danger he doesn't get back and help his other two midfield players he stands about waiting for something to happen and for me that that was really our problem yes we didn't play very well yes we we occasionally create chances up front and look that was quite exciting but as a team we were so out of whack and out of balance that Leicester could just pick us off at will whenever they really wanted to uh, in today's podcast, the role of Mike Parkin is being played by Colin Mace. <laughs> um, Mike, you know, Colin is, is putting all that on onto uh, Ranieri, as well as, you're not only Ranieri there, Colin, but you were definitely no. sort of p- picking out certain players. Mike, You've got you to think? put players in the right position in order to create a balanced team that can then function. And, and we did it against Chelsea, had loser, Sissoko cleverly, and, and that midfield functioned and we gave Chelsea a game. But today, with, with two eights and a ten, and a ten that's not really doing anything... We looked hopeless, I thought, in midfield. And, and you can back that up as well, because under, under, under Claudio Ranieri, and yes, there have been sort of moments of the, 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 to cling on to, or like, or, or, or if you like, or reasons to be vaguely cheerful. But ultimately now his record reads, played 12, won 2, lost 10. And the, the rate at which we concede is now, it's just out of control. You know, we've, we've conceded 30 goals in those um, 12 games, which is... We're maintaining that two and a half goals average, which means we need to score three to get a point. And over the last seven games, which we've lost, that's we've conceded 20, and that's almost three goals a game, 2.8 goals per game. 
and, and it's just literally out of control. And, and we joke about it now. It's almost just taken as read that how, right, how many are we going to ship today? Can we somehow fashion enough chances to, to get a draw? And I guess you, you look at the, the signings that we've made and, uh, and there's Kayembe who's come in, was announced on, on Friday, ironically by uh, Claudio Ranieri. He got there ahead of the club, didn't he, with his, um, with his press conference. But um, Kayembe sounds like, you know, this defensive midfielder who's hopefully going to, to provide some protection to that, to that defence. But when you bear in mind how, how often this has been happening, you know, starting with his first game, 5-0 against Liverpool, you do have to say, well, can't we just block it up and 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 try and and try and stop conceding goals at this, which is just quite frankly a ludicrous rate to expect to get anything out of any game we go into at the moment is, is we're hoping against against the evidence of our eyes because week in week out we just get we get torn to shreds and you know some of the players have to take responsibility for that because we've talked about individual mistakes um you know Sirauta ticking things off today uh, unfortunately it was Kutska with the with the late foul against Tottenham that undid all the good work there um it's, it's just it feels like a, a combination but I think Collins um, sort of suggestion that, that that we're being set up wrong does bear much more consideration than just sort of gnashing our teeth about the players. When you look at the look at the results and look at how we're losing games, because it's just you know re- absolutely relentless. Let's park. Let's park that for a second. That idea. We'll get back to it. Remind me. I put a pin in it over there, um, Jason. <laughs> you know, but let's talk about this. Just finish this game off in terms of the individuals who did something, you know, we've said Ozan, Tufan didn't do anything in terms of upping his game when the opportunity came. Fletcher, I don't know about you, felt like he, you know, he did, he did not enough to, you know, start being in that consideration, you know, to make, give, give whoever Ranieri the headache of picking that front three, but didn't do too badly. Um, you know, the other one then is, is, is the young lad, a lot, the young lad, Morris, um, I don't know. I have to go northern when I say that um, because you know the FA Cup is always isn't always. Sorry, it's not always. It, oh, it, 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 oh, it was northern, John. I didn't realise. I thought he was Welsh. What <laughs> <laughs> well, don't have your uh, vocal talents, Colin? Um, the but do you think you know you know from what you saw from him, the FA Cup has been traditionally in the last ten years or more a, a place where you know young players get their their debuts. He got his debut. He started the game and he didn't look stupidly out of place. I, yeah, I was impressed with him. I think he, he got an early touch, didn't he? I think from the from the kickoff, they tried to tried to test him out. I think they played a the ball down that side. Um, he snuffed it out, made the pass. That would have settled him down a little bit. Colin sort of mentioned about him being overwhelmed because he had to deal with Lookman and and Albrighton pushing on, and also Perez sort of I think from time to time ran out there and tried to put him in as well. Um, and, I, and to be fair, I think overwhelmed's probably the wrong word. Cause I thought he he coped pretty well with everything. He looked. To say that first touch probably settled him down, and then not long after that, there was a high ball that he took down control, turned away from his man, advanced up the pitch, and he did that well as well. He was getting into advanced positions. I think he put a couple of decent crosses in, and then when he did have to do his defending, when, as Colin quite rightly said, all Brighton afforded the, the sort of acres of space down uh, down their right hand side because no one was out there helping Morris when he was attacking Morris. Morris was coming out to him looking to stop the crosses coming in. And he did that job pretty well as well. So Brighton trying to trying to get past him, trying to beat him. And Morris rarely let that happen. So I think all in all, a, a, a really decent debut from the young man. 
it's funny with young players because when you see them play for the first time, one of the things you notice about players that you know are are good and have been well coached and, and look like they've got a good future in the game is is something to do with the way that they're balanced. You know, the way they run and and he looked uh, he looked very balanced, very calm. He just he knew he knew what he was doing. He looked really quite accomplished. You know, he didn't look like a young lad. Uh, I think he's not. Is he nineteen? Um, getting his debut, he looked. He looks balanced. He he knew which way to look. He knew how to uh, to track a player when he got the ball. He knew. He seemed to know what to do with it. Uh, so yeah, I think I think all in all, it was really impressive. It was just a shame that someone didn't help him out when they when they double slash triple teamed him. What about the other side there, Mike? No, yeah, Mike. I'm going to make you say some positive. Ingakia had another great game I think as best he could showed some good attacking prowess especially in the end he ran he ran he ran and he almost uh, I think he just ran out of a bit of breath and he had a bad uh, not the greatest finish to, in, in the world but he sort of really made himself a, a good clear choice I think no, maybe not above but definitely much more considerable with him and Kiko He's decent, isn't he? I don't think he ever he's he's ever really let us down. And I think yeah. if he if he was ever on a Watford bench, you'd be like, good, right? That's a solid player. That's a good, a good solid option in case someone gets injured or yellow card or or if he needs to come on. I don't need to list all the reasons that a substitution's <laughs> ever made. I don't think people listening have watched watched football before. Um, but um, I, I think he, I think. <laughs> I think he's um I think he's decent yeah and he, and he showed that today. I mean I think one of the most disappointing things about today was that Leicester's defence was quite patently there to be got at wasn't it? It was at, at sixes and sevens whenever we we did manage to break forward. It was effen- effectively attack via attack wasn't it? Who was going to score the more goals and at one stage it felt felt like it was going to be going to be four all or, so, or something like that didn't it? But as our attack didn't really penetrate as much as we'd have uh, as much as we'd have hoped but one of the guys who did sort of get forward I was going to say gallop forward I think that's probably pushing it a little bit too much but did look like he was going to be able to ask questions and and do his job sort of competently and vaguely impressively was was Ngakia and yeah I think you know in the in this running we're going to need as many bodies who are just vaguely capable as 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 possible and he is he's definitely that he's I think he's a he's a valuable member of the squad, and I think he can he can head home from the King Power today feeling um, feeling okay about his uh, about his performance. I think he is he is a bright spot, and um, yeah, I think he he still looks like a good signing to me because you need a, a solid squad, don't you? You need backup in every position. I wouldn't have him first on the team sheet. Um, in the Premier League, week in, week out. But but as I started, as I said, at the, as I, when I started there as a substitute, as a squad player, I think he's I think he's very very solid. And uh, yeah, he looked he looked good today. I was just going to say it's interesting talking about Morris. They had a, a young left back playing as well, and and Gakia was able to get up a bit like Albright and and, uh, and put pressure on that left back. And um, I think we all agreed that having been booked. He went in, should have got booked again and sent off, but uh, it didn't happen. But the point being that there was a young left back who wasn't as composed, who didn't have as good game and was was at pulled at half time because he looked like he was going to get himself sent off. So it's quite interesting to compare him with Morris, and Morris had a much better game. You know, two young left backs. But, worth making the point though that Daly Campbell was a is a right back, and he was so he was playing out. Ah, oh, didn't realise that. Okay, and and that and that's more of a, a reason that it's sort of vaguely dispiriting. That yes, he got hooked at half time, but you know, a youngster playing out of position and looking every inch as if he's a youngster playing out of position, <laughs> and we just we just weren't able to to capitalise, were we? And it was 
Well, we did capitalise. We did capitalise, except the ref didn't didn't send him off. True. For, I mean, True. absolute brainless. We did. Ca- we we put so much pressure on him. He got himself booked, and then he had to chuck himself at Hernandez. And for some reason, the ref said, "Oh no, that was he slipped or something." I mean, I remember when Holabas slipped in the box. Do you remember on the in a, on a wet day and it gave away yes, a penalty regularly? Yeah. So you know, it, slip slipping is not an excuse for for fouling. It's a foul or it's not a foul. It's clearly a foul. It's clearly a yellow card. He didn't play for the ball. He played the man. Should have gone. So we 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 did what we did our job, but ref didn't do his job. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You say you say we did our job. I think there were times where we let ourselves down a bit, I think, with our, our final ball when we were counter-attacking. Colin obviously made the point about having two number eights in the side. When we did sort of break moving forward, we we did have players sort of pushing up through the middle that we could move the ball to quickly. And I thought we did move the ball quite nicely at times. But when we got into that attacking third... We just, it seemed to be the wrong decisions. I think there, there was one time where Sissoko's picked the ball up, he's driven with it, and everyone sort of just stood aside and let him run on and try and shoot. And you know that's going to end badly. Um, and then there are other times where our, 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 one of our front three has made the right, they've made the right move, they've sort of pulled wide, given them space, given the option for the pass, and we've played the pass too close to the centre back or tried to play it through the centre back's legs. And it hasn't quite come off. So whilst the thought process was there, it seemed to be going well, but that the decisions on those final passes just weren't there for me today. I think the other thing that's sort of vaguely dispiriting is, and I guess it actually makes sense, but just sort of weighing up everything about this game, saying how we were vaguely excited when we saw the lineup and enthused by the by what we were facing in terms of Leicester looking looking shaky at the back and as Jason has just said there when we did go forward certainly in the first half you know Cucho I think like, he, he does put people under pressure because he works so hard and and so on and so forth I think the fact that then we made those substitutions up with what 15 minutes to go at 3-1 and still in the game effectively throwing the towel in it, you know it is pragmatic and it probably was the sensible sensible thing to do cleverly had come off just a little bit before Sissoko and and Jao Pedro there if, if we are going to get out of this mess then they're going to play a role in that so it is sensible to wrap them in cotton wool but it just felt like you know the, the, our race is run again really early in the in the day and it's I don't know I just I just I feel for us as as, as Watford supporters this afternoon having to having to sort of toss it off after with you know with 15 minutes of the game to go, it just feels like a bit of a, a, a wasted opportunity, and I do understand what what Colin's saying in terms of he didn't want to didn't want to win it, but it just feels like we're not we're finding a way to make a mess of of games in in virtually every situation at the moment. The subs though, Mike, you know the subs came. I think you're right. I think there was a there was a thing of let's try, let's get to this point, and now let's let's just sort of not worry about it too much, and we make those substitutions we made. Um, you know, the, 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 my favourite thing about it, if you look at the statistics and you look at the rundown of, of the game, Fletcher went off and Semmer came on the 58th minute. Um, but Gosling and Kuchka didn't come on to the 63rd and 64th minute because the lights went out. Um, literally one yeah. just before the lights and one just after. Problems, I think, potentially for Ashley Fletcher and uh, Ozan Tufan is in, in as much as that they were bought off considerably, they were bought off before those guys that we need to protect you know Ashley Fletcher presumably playing for to, to, to you know he's a long way down the striking pecking order isn't he and and two fans got a bit of work to do to to, to catch the eye of us as supporters and presumably of of the head coach as well so interesting that they were the ones that came off before 
the others. Um, but we, we often lament um, the lack of, uh, of academy graduates coming through. So on the flip side, it was nice to see, uh, we talked about uh, James Morris, who, who played admirably, but yeah, good to see Conte and, and Ford come on, who, who I think there's high hopes for, for both of them. I don't know too much about them, but my understanding is that there are, there are high hopes for those guys. So if nothing else, for them to get 15, 20, 25 minutes, because there was quite a bit of uh, injury time, wasn't there, because of the light situation, um, you know, against in a, against a decent decent side, a, a reasonable crowd, which was good to see. I think there was sort of twenty six thousand there, which is probably more than we than we might have expected. So at least they've got some um, experience out of it. So that's uh, potentially a, a, a positive from there from the game. The favourite thing I noticed about those two substitutions and the seventy fourth minute was they were the seventy fourth minute. So uh, Shaq Ford uh, came on. His cause father was Fabian Ford. Uh, for the people who remember, which wasn't me, I had to look it up. Uh, Fabian uh, only played once for Watford in two thousand and one, uh, where he came on uh, to against Burnley uh, in the eighty second minute. So whatever happens from now on, uh, Shaq has played more minutes for Watford than his dad ever did. John, I think yeah. that we should just give a little mention to Pedro because oh, it's yes, interesting that he it's interesting that he was one of the players that was taken off first in that in that triple substitution. I think what we're seeing from him is a uh, he's growing. You know, he is he is young. He hasn't played very much since he left Fluminese to come to us. Uh, but we we're starting to see a player emerge. I think a. a, a He's very, very good on the ball. Technically, he's he's very gifted, and but he's young, so he's up against Ben probably for the first time in you know in his career, and he just seems to be a player that is slowly growing into the role. I think Cucho also is on that just same journey, but I think he's a bit further back uh, in terms of you know his development. But it, I thought J, JP played well today. He's a very exciting player to watch. Whenever he gets the ball, you kind of you kind of sit up a bit straighter, and I think Ranieri believes in him I think he he's trying to develop him and and I think that's also quite good you know for the future hopefully for the second half of this season certainly for the future I think he's he's a player that we can keep a we can be positive about well second anniversary of his debut uh, against Tranmere in that third round game under Nigel Pearson um, and and you know that's that's the way we can sort of you know his his maturity is, is coming through and you think yeah he's, he's in a place to have a good second half of the season but what's going to happen in this second half of the season from the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Michael, we have talked about Ranieri. My, uh, Colin is is discussing and hinting at the fact that um, maybe more of this can be put through to Ran- onto Ranieri than, than the players. Are you thinking managerial change at any point this coming few months, in these next few months? No, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I think you think so. Or you don't know which one, Michael. <laughs> I I don't think so. No, I think I think we'll either be in touch enough, and in which case they'll just have to stick with Ranieri, or we'll be. You know, it's it's not inconceivable that we're adrift at the end of next week, um, and at which point you know there's no point changing changing the manager. I think that the change they've made is to invest in the transfer market, effectively um, rebuilding to a degree. Um, the defence with a centre back, a left back, and a and a defensive midfielder coming in, and presumably you'd have thought they'd be looking at another centre back. Just seen the news breaking from the um, uh, Ranieri's press conference that and Kulu's out uh, until at least March slash April. So we're we're down another down another centre back. So he'd like he'd like to think that 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 would step up their 
um, their focus in that department. So the eggs going into the basket is a new defence. And if they don't hit the ground running, I don't know if eggs can run, but um, if they don't hit the ground running, then the season's done anyway. Well, that's a hard thing, though, about this is these signings, Mike, is that what was going to be two important games, all of a sudden there's three very important games, and we've got week mega week on its way. Um, the whole idea, though, that these boys can come in straight away, even in the first week, and have an impact is, at best, hopeful. But, Jason, do you think that they are the the only places that we needed to, to do and the businesses, apart from seeing them actually play, as, as the best that we could do and the fact it's done early? How are you feeling about this early early stage of this window? I'm, I'm pleased that we've sort of been able to get the... the them in quickly get the get the uh, transfers done early in the window we seem to have acted quicker than the most I'm still concerned I, I mentioned a recent podcast that I think it would take more than one or two incomings to to completely change this team and sort of take us from a, a position where we're winning enough games to to stop the almost inevitable however you just don't know do you and my my biggest fear now i think is that the players have come in you just talk about them can they come in and make an instant impact that feels a bit too roy of the rovers to me it feels like if we had another game in between now and the three games against newcastle burnley and norwich just for them to to settle in Perhaps I'd be feeling a little bit more positive. It just feels that if, they, if he is going to bring all those players in, if they are all ready to start and he thinks he can fit them into the eleven, they then got to go to go to St James's Park. Newcastle will see it as a great opportunity to get back on track. Obviously, they've had a complete disaster today, losing at home to uh, losing at home to Cambridge. They're going to see us as a as an opportunity to really turn things around. It's almost sort of make or break for them because if they muck up against us. I don't know where they go <laughs> from from there, but they're going to be, what is it, 40,000, 50,000 Geordies screaming at them on the pitch. If it doesn't go well for us and our new players are in the side, how's that going to affect them? Moving then very quickly onto another key game at Burnley, is that still going to be in their minds? That negative impact that could sort of hit those players and the players that we've still got that are probably not in a great place at the moment anyway, it... it it feels like it's just too much of an ask to turn things around in sh- such a short space of time. I'm I'm hopeful, but but I, I, it just it still worries me. Because we could technically have six different players in the starting eleven than we did today, with the new signings: Ben Foster, Kiko, King, uh, and Dennis. I absolutely where you're going from, Jason. But Newcastle are very much in the same. But what about you, Cole? I don't feel quite so uh, negative about the coming week. We're playing three teams who, let's face it, have had worse seasons than we've had, which is hard (laughs) to believe when you consider how bad our season's been. But we haven't been in the bottom three yet, which is some sort of miracle. I don't know how that's happened. Newcastle lose to Cambridge in the Cup at home in front of a full house with their new star signing. That's a disaster for them. And, and, and I love this thing. And I, I almost phoned into a, radio, to a well-known sports radio station when everyone on the station was going, oh, the Geordie fans, they deserve this. You know, they're the best fans in the league. They're not the best fans in the league. Which set of fans get on the back of their team the quickest in the Premier League when they're not playing well? Let me tell you, it's Newcastle United. And, and if, if we get a decent start against them, that, that crowd, which can really help them, can easily turn against them. They're having a mare. They've lost their main striker. 
Uh, they have got Sam Maximan back, so that, that's, a, that's a threat to us. But that's a game that w- we should feel confident going into. I think I, I, we don't know the state of the fitness of Kamara was on the bench, so presumably he was fit enough to come on today or at least get a taste of what it's like to, to be on the bench for Watford. I don't know. Uh, then we play Burnley, who are who can't score. Woods, Wood went off today injured. So they, they're, they're having a terrible season. Everyone's saying Sean Dyche is going to turn that around. He always turns it around, but there's no sign of it yet. They've only won one game. We've got goals in us. That's the one thing we've got to hold on to. We can score goals. Sometimes we don't score. Sometimes we only score one, like today. But other times we, we can get them in batches. And then we've got to play Norwich at home. We've beaten Norwich five times in a row. So that's a game that we should win. And they are having an even worse season than Newcastle and Burnley. They had a little, they had a little uptick where they got a couple of wins and they've gone back to being the absolute dross that they've been for most of their last two seasons in the Premier League. I'm not saying we're better. I'm not saying that we're having a great season or that we, we, but I just don't see how we can not be positive going into three games against the only three teams in the league who are worse than us. The role of Mike Parkin is now being played again by Mike Parkin because uh, Colin Mace has completely changed character. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exit stage left, no. Cole. You, you, you started so well, uh, but you, you just didn't commit to the roll, Cole. What, Sorry, Which isn't like you. We'll be bottomed by Saturday you. week. Yeah, that's boy. You've, you've just earned a recall. Yeah, we'll see you again. But Watford 16, the opposition 30 under, under Claudio Ranieri. We're scoring 1.3. They're scoring... 2.5 so yes we we can score goals how often do we do it when it when it actually matters is is up for up for debate I saw a quote from Eddie Howe after the Cambridge game saying oh we just couldn't break them down which on the face of it is is pretty lamentable isn't it really you get all due respect to, to Cambridge playing playing them at home but you know you just have to basically I think if you if you take all of our all of our um, trains of thought and, and mesh them together You've basically got where where we're at. You've got me being super negative and making it very binary that we've got to turn up in these games, otherwise we're we're done for. Jason, quite rightly, being pragmatic in as much as it's uh, it's a big ask to ask players to come in in very very key positions just to come in and and perform at a Premier League level straight away. And Colin, quite rightly, pointing out that we're coming up against teams who are struggling worse than than we are. So you mix it all together, and it's what it actually is is really probably quite exciting, isn't it? It's it's probably closer to cup football um, in the coming week than we had today, really, because it was two two makeshift sides and uh, both teams probably had one eye on 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 other other matches. So we're actually going into the stuff that you you want as football fans, games that actually mean something. And you know, personally, I do think it's it's sink or swim. I think if we if we balls it up against these teams for precisely the reasons that Colin has mentioned, that they're all having a pretty useless time of it, then effectively we, we may as well pack up and, uh, and, and go home. Because if we get, not only have we not added to our points tally, but we will have added to their points tally. Um, and it's already three from four, really, probably, isn't it, in the, in the Premier League this season? Perhaps three from five if, if someone gets dragged down into it. But it looks like it's a, a straight shootout between us, Burnley, Newcastle and, and, and Norwich. And if you want to climb the table, it's best to play Burnley, Newcastle and uh, and Norwich, isn't it? So it's there in front of us. The, the huge nagging doubt is that every time that we've had an opportunity to, to kick on and to, and to try and get this season started, 
we've we've blown it in in absolutely spectacular fashion. It's just over to these guys. And, and Jason's point about it being a bit Roy the Rovers, it is to expect these guys to come in and and to all of a sudden hit, uh, just just change us into a into a functioning defence. But but we haven't got any choice. And what you'd like to think is that they've been signed with a view to being being able to play straight away they've done the business early they've got them in they'll have been in the building for what the best part of two weeks for some of them a week and a half for for, for the others so they'll have met some of their teammates they'll have understood Ranieri understand understood what he will have wanted from them and and they will have trained quite frankly that the current crop have shown that they're not fit for purpose they're not up to it the, the amount of goals we concede shows that um, so these guys have got to come in and we just looking immediately ahead to Newcastle, we've got to keep it quiet. We've got to keep a lid on it. And that means we can't do what we did today was, was just give away the, um, the early goal and, and lose any sort of optimism and momentum and hope that we, we had. We just cannot do that because with 50,000 fans on their back, we saw what happened at, at Brentford. John, you were there, you know, that, that fight, as, that, as, that seat, as that second half wore on, the Brentford fans got into it, hardly known as a sort of, um, you know, boiling uh, pit of partisanship, is it, that Brentford, but Watford completely collapsed. You're right, Colin, they, they rate themselves more than, uh, more than they, they possibly deserve, but if they go 1-0 up very, very early, 50,000 people make a lot of noise in a game that they need to win, so we know what we've got to do, and I think a big part of that is going to be these new signings. It'll be fascinating to see what happens this week, early, early this week, with the news that, that Nkulu is going to be out for a, for a considerable amount of time. Is he, you know, no disrespect to him, uh, of course, but is he actually worth a squad place now in as, no. if, he, if he's no, not going to be back till, till April? It, not really. So uh, we're, still, we're probably still short, I think, of, a, of, a, of, a, of another centre-back as, as a minimum. Whoever comes in, they they have to perform, and they just it, it has to work because otherwise we we all know the uh, we all know the ending. It's three games in six days. Some will look at it as a week of destiny. Others will say it's just the next three games of this season. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is from the Rookery End. The FA Cup, of course, gentlemen, we are all massive fans of the FA Cup. Uh, we have wonderful memories of the FA Cup. Uh, and we asked a bunch of you uh, on our social medias, at Watford Podcast, uh, on uh, Twitter, uh, on Facebook and on Instagram, your favourite FA Cup moments and memories that you have. And it, it wasn't allowed to be Gerard Delafayu scoring a goal in the FA Cup semi-final, because that's a bit too obvious. It's a little bit too obvious. Um, for you, Colin, what, what's your earliest FA Cup memory? I remember the 1970 Cup run. I didn't go to any of the games because um, I wasn't allowed to. Um, I went to the Old Trafford game, but I was so little, I can't, you know, it was all very hazy. That was in the season before. But in the 1970 uh, run, obviously, uh, there was, you know, it was starting to get a bit hairy, taking small children to football around then. Uh, so my mum and my brother went to the, uh, the run to the semi-final. My older brother was a Chelsea fan, so he was, he was slightly nauseous before the semi-final because he had a feeling that we were going to do them. And at halftime, it was one all. And he was even more, uh, my mum said he was just, his face was grey with, with anxiety and worry. But they went on and, and knocked a few in. But I used to go to my friend Philip White, who lived on the airbase, and I was dropped off there before each uh, cup game. So, and then we had the telly on, 
uh, Philip White's house with the sort of rolling, you know, they had that thing at the end where they had the ticker tape. I mean, God, it's back in the dark ages. But um, but uh, it's 51 years ago, that, that cup run. But I, I do remember it. And I sort of, that, that was a bit of my falling in love with Watford because it was such an extraordinary cup run for a team that really was struggling, I think, in the second division at the time. I think we'd been promoted and then we went straight back down. But I remember Brian Clough on, uh, on I think he was, it was on like, the lunchtime show like Football Focus saying you know, that Watford had no place being in the latter stages of the cup and I didn't know he didn't know how we'd got there and so I remember that cup run really really keenly because it was my first real encounter with the FA Cup I was seven years old and uh, it was the same year as the, the World Cup which is another brilliant memory for me football wise that Brazil side playing Italy in the final so that that year was a, was a kind of a year where I fell in love with football but, but mostly with Watford because of that cup run I think Mike, there were some great um, uh, suggestions of people's uh, memories on, on our, uh, our social feeds. Uh, one particularly came from uh, Andy Lewis, a uh, friend of the podcast. Uh, he said uh, he went to Sunderland away in 2003. His first experience oh, of a classic that one. upset where we defied the odds. Didn't enjoy the stress of Tommy Smith retaking his penalty, of course. How I went to bed in my Watford shirt that night as a jubilant, a jubilant 10-year-old. Do you remember that one, Jays? I do. I was there for that one, a long old journey up and down. The retaken penalty in Sunderland, Sunderland were in a bad place as well, I remember, at uh, that time. And we'd done well to get to the fifth round. I think we'd beaten West Brom, we, in the fourth round, and that was a, that was a cup set because they were a division above us at the time. It wasn't an easy game. It was a, it was a battle at times, that, that Sunderland game. But yeah, the, the retaken penalty was a blessing. And I seem to recall Lloyd Doyle being brought on just to shore things up right at the end. And he did the job and the final whistle blew. And yeah, it was a, it was a great feeling to to be in the away end. At a, obviously, we were championship side at the time. They were Premier League. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, just a, a pleasant feeling to be a, a possible headline for the FA Cup games that day. I, lo- I love some of the, some of the more um, historic ones that have come in. And it, ma- it just makes you think some of these... Some of these teams that that people have mentioned that we came up against, Bob the Horn, Bob the Hornet, um, his most memorable was away to Lowestoft in 1968. It's never been so cold in all my life. Barry Hartle scored the only goal, um, and then a, a year later, one comes up, 1970. Uh, sorry, ten years later, 1976, uh, Hughes Hornet, Hillingdon Borough away uh, in December 1976. Watford won 3-2 against Hillingdon Borough. We've talked about some bad results recently. I imagine if we could, uh, we only snuck past Hillingdon Borough three two these days. So I've played on that pitch, and it's a really, really big pitch. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> they all feel big to us, Jace, when we're um, uh, when we're as fit as we are. But yeah, so memorable because it was a cup tie. We won the game, but uh, but yeah, Hughes Hornet reminiscing about he he also patted uh, Elton John on the head as he walked past, which apparently didn't go down. To um, <laughs> uh, I bet it did, and then um, and then Jay Hornet in in 1977, his first FA Cup game was against Hendon. Um, so some of these, it's just magical, isn't it, to to hear of of, of some of these 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 games from from a few decades ago against sides that um, you very rarely hear about these days. So some magnificent cup memories, just spanning the full sort of gamut, really, of of emotions. I remember mine. I have this constant debate with my brother and my dad as to whether this was actually our first game, but the the four-all game with Walsall at home, uh, uh, I think it it was a replay, wasn't it? It was the first replay, was it? Or... 
Uh, yeah, it will have been because yeah, it was a Tuesday night, and it was it was four all in the in the in the late eighties. That was a a really memorable one. And then my first actual away game was the was the FA Cup semi final in eighty seven, the infamous game with um, Gary Plumley in goal when Watford went on to lose lose four one to to Spurs, uh, and that that sort of gave me a pretty rude awakening as to what it was like uh, watching Watford away from Vicarage Road having the sort of that tantalizing hope of, of maybe getting to Wembley as a as a kid I think I was nine or nine or ten years old at, at that stage and uh, yeah that was a tough one to take watching us um, watching us losing the in the cup semi-final in, in those sort of circumstances but I think it, what it also does it reminds us as Watford supporters how lucky we we've been to have such a rich history in this tournament because you know some clubs pop up here and there and and have decent runs now and again you know um, Coventry went on to win the cup didn't they of course in that in that season where uh, just talking about there when we lost to Spurs in the in the semi and there's, there's loads of it's a it's a it is a brilliant old tournament but Watford have had some some tremendous uh, memories in um over uh, over the over the piece, haven't we? More and and again, more more memories, more moments, more matches to cherish than than probably we um, we're entitled to for a, for a club our size. We actually asked earlier on the week about anyone who remembers. It's, it's not a mystical game for me, but it was at my very early stages of being a Watford fan, where Watford played four games, four replay, three replays, but four games against Newcastle United in the third round. Uh, it was a nil-nil. It was a 2-2 two, two at home uh, at Vicarage Road in the, in the first replay. The second replay was nil-nil. Uh, and the third replay was 1-0, uh, which, of course, ended with an, an own goal. Those games happened in such a short amount of time. The first game was on the 7th of January, and the last game was 11 days later, on the 18th of January, plus... We played a league game in between two of the games. Uh, I want to find out more, and we thank you for everyone who sort of got in touch. Loads, you seem to go to three of the games. You went to the first game, you went to the two home games, but you didn't go to the second replay back up at Newcastle. Fan got in touch. Ian Dell, who got in touch, who went to all four games, and I spoke to him early in the week to find out what his memories are of those games. I was fortunate because by now I was a operations director of six data centres all, all around the country. One of them being near Whitley Bay, and we drove up, uh, took my wife up on the Friday. I went to work, she went shopping. We stayed in Newcastle on the Friday night. Neil, Neil, nothing to shake, shake home about. The second leg was a, was a 2-2 at Vickers Road. Uh, very unique uh, as a start of the game because Neil Redfern scored with the very first Watford kick of the game. Yeah, with Redfern putting a, a free kick past Besant, who had clearly handballed it out, out of his area. But it's the se- it's the second goal. If you if you watch YouTube, the crowd actually win that penalty. Someone needed to win it rather than going to a third leg. And the atmosphere of losing the toss to go back to Newcastle, that toss happened at the end of the game. Uh, the players were off, but the crowd was still there. Well, the reaction was, my wife was with me. I said, I've got to go to Newcastle next week again. This time it was a decline. It was the only one she missed out of the four games. And for me, with looking after six data centres in Glasgow, Manchester, Bristol, etc., I used to go to each data centre once a month. But to go to two in the space of a week, I arranged to go to the Glasgow one after the second replay. But of course, that got completely mucked up because I had to get be back in Watford less than 48 hours later. What club has played against another club five times in only 
32 days because we played Newcastle in the full Members' Cup on the 13th of December. Yeah, I, I, doubt, I doubt no one else has. So with the return leg up there, if you said it was desperate for them to get through the second leg, what was that third leg like? It was Coton versus Newcastle. But again, another nil-nil. Coton was good. And then the, the fourth leg was in on the, the 18th, two days after that. So did you go to Glasgow, then back down to Watford? There was no time to get up to Glasgow because I was driving. So I drove back down and stopped at the Derby data centre instead. I was very, very lucky in the, posi in the position I, I was in. I was in that position for 10 years. And apart from really the Bristol data centre, my trips were worked around away games. The fourth game, two days later, after all those games, was it both sides must have been, were they 11 men walking? They were out on their feet. Well, if you think of those four games, we played with only 13 players. It was two subs, and we actually used that same squad. During that time, we also played West Brom and Birmingham. In the space of 21 days, six games, and we only used 13 players in all those six games. Again, the YouTube of uh, Ricky Holden's shot in the 115th minute, no power, going wide, and suddenly good old Glenda sticks out a leg for us. And he scores the goal that, that ends the tie. Did you feel disappointed that it was an own goal and it wasn't finished properly? E not at all. It was relief. And what was, the, what was the reaction like at that point? We used to stand just to the right-hand side of un underneath the old scoreboard. Glenn got it all the way. His name was written there and it is great that he in fact came to be a player for Watford. He was already a legend. It, it was relief. Surprise, the shot was never on target. And then all of a sudden, the ball was in the back of the net. Of course, Jason, those games were against Newcastle and we've spoken already about this upcoming game for Newcastle. Are you, not Colin and not Mike, of course, are you looking forward to and thinking that, yeah, the, the, what we've got with these boys coming in, the, the next game against Newcastle next Saturday can be the start of a, of a good week. Yeah, having, having been slightly negative and sort of saying that it's a bit more of the Rovers to expect anything or the new boys to, to have the impact that we need, of course I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's, it, it's an opportunity for us, isn't it? It's a chance. I said I was hopeful um, and that will be the case right up until kick-off and hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully for the 90 minutes, that will transfer into positivity and delight and joy. Um, if you... you I think you can't you can't go into games like these being too negative or being negative. You, otherwise, what's the point? You've got to go in there hopeful or expecting or, or just yeah not giving up and not having thrown the towel in before the game starts. Otherwise, there just seems to be no point in uh, in in following the team. Uh, I'm absolutely looking forward to it. It's a big week, uh, a one that we should all be grateful for. Mike, do you see it? It's this, this three games and there's, you know, there, are, there are steps to getting always these new players going. Would you be happy with a draw or would you only be happy if it was a draw with a great performance and clearly another set, set of green shoots showing themselves? Yeah, I think I think bearing in mind everything we've we've talked about, and in particular what what Jason said about the the potential new look of the team and the the squad, I think not losing to Newcastle is the is the most important thing. 
if we can win, then then absolutely, um, then I'll, I will take that and uh, yeah, never give it back. But not losing is 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 absolutely vital because that will. Uh, I'm a big proponent for uh, for not worrying about what other teams do and focusing on our, our our own performances. But I think if if Newcastle fail to beat us, then that's that's problematic for them because as we said earlier that's they will have had this this identified as a real chance to to get going and as the new look Newcastle if you like so if we can get through this with a with a draw and a, and, and a decent result I will take that on the basis that we then have to still have to go and beat Burnley and, and Norwich I, I do think that we need probably need seven points to keep our season going and to, to give us any sort of any any vest last vestiges of, of hope I think we need seven points so yes I would take a draw on the basis that it gives these new players time to, to bed in to learn about their teammates etc etc so if you offer me a draw and a, and a decent performance I will at this stage I, I will take that because that would represent huge progress and we haven't seen any any progress really have we for for such a long time so uh, having said it's a massive game, I'm being really, really timid and saying, yes, I'll take a point. <laughs> Colin, what about you, though? What, what, what's, what is it the one thing you want to see happen in that Newcastle game, that first game? What is the, the thing where you'll sit there and go, Claudio, you listened to the, me on the podcast. <laughs> I ranted away and you, you've sorted out. What is the one thing you think that's gonna, he, he needs to have sorted out? I want to see back four get some protection from midfield. I want to see a functioning midfield. I've seen it really against Chelsea. That's the only time. And I guess against Man United as well, where we where they had McTominay and Fred and we outplayed them in midfield. But, you know, it's been very rare that we've had a functioning um, midfield. And it's, and it's been rare that we've seen uh, good protection for the back four. In fact, we played quite well against Spurs, really. And we did protect our back four. But that slightly hampered our... Our, our attacking threat. We didn't really carry much in that game on an attacking basis. But uh, it's all about balance, isn't it, between defence and attacking football. It's a team, you know, a team. A team's got to defend together, got to attack together. But you've got to have players in the right position with the right instructions. They know their jobs, uh, and we also have to we have to give ourselves some cover wide. We have to ask our our wide forward men to to work a bit hard to come back to track back to track their fullbacks not let them just have the run of the park down the down the side and overload our fullbacks you know we've just got to we've got to do everything better but in order to do that you know I, I was listening to uh, I think it was the BT, BT score thing and you know he was saying well it's all very they were talking about Man United it's all very well saying players have got to run around a lot but they can only run around a lot if they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing otherwise they stand around going, I'm not sure whether I should be running down there should I go up there should I come back here should I cover in here you know they so you've got to give players clear instructions for them to work properly as a team and that's what I'm looking forward to the other thing I'm looking forward to John is the is the start of AFCON which I know we're not going to talk about at length but it starts this weekend I'm really really looking forward to it I I love it as a tournament. I think you see some fantastic football. I know there's been a controversy with us around a couple of our players, but Luzer and Messina are playing for Morocco. I will be supporting Morocco after having a long, lifelong kind of association with the country due to spending time there uh, as, a, as a teenager. And I'm just really, really looking forward to that tournament. And I hope Morocco do well. Yes, here, here to all the Watford players who play uh, in AFCON in the next couple of weeks. Well, hopefully only a week and a bit, and then you come back, please, safely. Thank you. Uh, the uh, the great thing uh, that we might be, sh- we should be doing this week, Michael, uh, midweek podcast with Adam, uh, via the Athletic website and app, a interactive something or another, 
Um, we don't know the details, but that's what we're sort of aiming to do. So if, if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, uh, then you can get a subscription by going to theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend, where, of course, you get a special podcast discount. And But if you, uh, you already are, then uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll share as many details as we can. But it should be a bit of fun where you guys can get involved with our midweek podcast um, in an interactive way. I, that's as best as I get. You finally got a chance to to call me up for my absolute nonsense because I think we'll we'll be we'll, we're all going to plan we'll be we'll be live and via the athletic um, website or app you'll have a chance to uh, to interact directly which would of course include telling me to shut up so uh, yeah if you're not a subscriber it's probably worth subscribing for that um, for that option alone yeah if you're not you can actually go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery and you can stand up uh, st- sign up for a like just a, even a seven day trial um and uh, see what 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 it's all about so do that if you i would like it. to point out that if you want to tell any of the others to shut up that's absolutely fine as well he doesn't have to be me <laughs> i hope no one would be so rude as to tell you to shut up <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much colin thank you thank you jason thank you you can always it's, it's not been a great day for us but there's always someone worse off i've just seen that uh Chelsea are falling up against Chesterfield at half time I think it is Scott Loach is playing in goal for Chesterfield today so he's uh, <laughs> bless him he's, he's, he's having a bad day so oh, yeah. poor there's old always Scotty. always someone worse off than you are <laughs> thank you Michael our season starts here let's go this is it the big one come on who wants yellows yellows come on for heaven's sake let's do this The Athletic.